Welcome to the Talk of Fame Network. I got a good deal on those boys. The scout said they showed a lot of promise. With your Hall of Fame voters. Don't act like you're not impressed. Ron Borges. You want to punch me right now, but you won't. Rick Oslin. I don't know what we're yelling about! And Clark Judge. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Go! On SB Nation Radio. I'll tell you, for me, it wasn't the first couple of years, it wasn't that nerve-wracking because I had convinced myself I wasn't getting in. So, you know, you're not going in on the first ballot, just enjoy it and relax. But that evening, the way they do it, when they have you in a hotel and you're waiting to either get the knock on the door from David Baker or the phone call that says you're not in, those last couple of hours, it's just excruciating. Uh, to me, the week was fun. It'll be enjoyable and hopefully guys go into it that way of just enjoying it but that day that Saturday I can tell you uh, even when you don't think you're going to get in it is nerve-wracking well I'll start with a softball question you guys recognize that voice friend of the show friend of the show Tony Dungy you are correct Goose man that's why you are Dr. Data you fact it is Tony Dungy and he's going to be stopping by here later on in the show to talk about this week. And I don't necessarily mean the Super Bowl. Uh, of course, he will discuss that, and so will we. But uh, we're more interested in our Super Bowl, which happens the day before. And I'm talking about the Hall of Fame vote. And Ron, just wondering, but uh, you getting as anxious as Tony uh, for what's coming up here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally anxious for uh, Ty Law, uh, the old uh, Patriot quarterback. Uh, I'm saying the you case for him, and it, and yeah. you guys know when you're presenting someone, you, you know you like to see them go forward. You like to see them make it. And uh, I think Ty played on, uh, you know, he played on those first three Super Bowl teams that really were defensive teams. But I think people have forgotten that in the wake of the many great years Tom Brady's had, you know, after that. But uh, the Tom Brady you see today was not the Tom Brady who who was in Super Bowl games in 01, 03, and and 04. Well, and and just to backtrack here for our listeners, um, just to educate them but there are 15 modern era candidates that are reduced to five modern era candidates on saturday's coming saturday and among them of course are ladanian thomas and kurt warner terrell owens uh, joe jacoby kevin Y, and we can go on but uh there are also three others under consideration and those are two contributor candidates and contributors are everyone but coaches and players so goose we were talking about gms owners scouts commissioners and anyone else uh, you name it I, um but anyway, people who are not coaches and players and um, anyone who contributed to the game outside the lines. And this year's nominees are former Commissioner Paul Tagliabue, who was last brought before the board in 2009, and Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. But that's not all. There's also one senior candidate, and that's anyone who's been out of the game uh, 25 years or more. And, and this year's nominee is Kenny Easley. And now, as it just so happens... We're in luck here at the Talk of Fame Network, coming to you from our Renai studios, but we're in luck because we have the guy who's presenting Kenny Easley, and that would be our Ron Borges, who's also presenting Ty Law. But, Ron, if, if you can get our listeners um, just an idea of what happens when you make your presentation, and I'm not sure. I think, do seniors go first, Goose, Ron? Do seniors go first? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, first. Senior, okay. Senior and, and Ron, first. you're a senior, of course. <laughs> so yeah, you're senior, presenting the senior a senior candidate. presenting a senior. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, um, but tell us what you're, what you're up against. Well, you know, you stand up, you make opening remarks about uh, the candidate, uh, try to make the best case you can. More than likely, uh, uh, some supporters will follow. 
Uh, then it's kind of open to debate, and Kenny's credentials will be uh, uh, debated. I think they're beyond reproach. And more than likely, the issue of longevity will come up in his case because he, uh, as you guys know, he only played seven years because he had uh, kidney disease and lost a kidney and couldn't play any longer. So, uh, y- you know, that debate will be kind of interesting because he's the first of, of three candidates this year uh, of various types who I think are going to be somewhat caught up in the longevity uh, issue. And uh, it's uh, it, it usually goes fairly quickly. The seniors, I think, tend to go a little quicker than, than some of the others. That's because we can't remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Halfway and, through, and Ron, I say, who, who was I talking about? <laughs> That's right. I forgot. What, where are we? Um, and, and, Ron, just to, um, again, sort of um, make it clear to our listeners, after you finish the entire room, and, and when I say the room, there are 58 of us now in terms of voters with the additions of Hall of Famers Dan Fouts and James Lofton. The entire room has an opportunity to at least quiz you on what you said, and then they vote yes or no with uh, 80% approval required correct right yeah yeah it's actually 48 this year uh because uh, we added two um but uh yeah you're right and then we make the vote and the accountants come in and they're you know gray matching gray suits white shirts great ties uh <laughs> they all shop at the same store take our votes they leave we have no idea whether whether kenny easley is approved or not and then we move on uh to the rest of the day okay well i said we are especially lucky this year you know what we are because we also also have the man who present owner Jerry Jones to the board as a contributor candidate. That's our Rick Gosselin, a.k.a. Dr. Data Goose. How about them Packers? I mean, uh, Cowboys. Well, Jerry Jones is certainly a deserving candidate because he changed the financial dynamic of the NFL. Now, he's not being presented as an owner or as a general manager candidate. He's being presented as a contributor. And his contribution has been the explosion of team money and the explosion of new stadiums. Uh, it's not a stretch to say that Jerry Jones is the key reason the salary cap has jumped from $34 million in 1994 to $155 million in 2016. Well, Goose, man, I, man, I know you've done this before. You've done it many times before, so of course have you, Ronnie. But um, after you are finished, as I mentioned earlier, the rest of the room is invited to ask questions. They will ask you questions after you present Jerry, and that's certainly Ron questions after he presents Kenny Easley. What's the first question you anticipate being asked of Jerry? Where are the championships? He's, he's been the general manager of this team from the start, and the Cowboys have now gone 21 years without a Lombardi trophy. But Don Shula didn't win a title in his final 22 years, and it didn't keep him out of Canton, and he had Dan Marino. Ron's good friend Al Davis didn't win a title in his final 28 years as owner of the Raiders. Didn't keep him, keep him out of Canton. Jones does have three rings, let's not forget that, and he's going in as a contributor. Okay, Gooseman, um, you also go ahead of friend of the show, ESPN's Sal Palantonio, who's going to present Paul Tagliabue, and, and that's done simply on an alphabetical basis. I mean, right. J, as in Jones, comes before T, as in Tagliabue. Um, is that an advantage, a disadvantage, or is it any factor at all? Well, I think it's early in the day, so I'm not sure it's much of a disadvantage. You know, we're going to discuss 18 candidates that Saturday, and I'd much rather be among the first three speakers than the last three. You know, this committee gets kind of cranky by the end of the day. You know, Jerry Jones and Tagu are two different candidates. They're not competing with each other. You know, the committee can elect both if it so chooses. Well, uh, speaking of Paul Tagliabue, we're going to be speaking to him on this program, and, and you're going to want to hear it. I mean, the former commissioner doesn't really do many interviews, if any interviews, but we do have him here to answer questions about his 17 years as commissioner of the league. We also have Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs to tell us why Joe Jacoby belongs. Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy, who you heard earlier, to give us his take on this class as well as the game. 
game, there's a game being played uh, that follows the <laughs> Super Bowl 51. Um, and Hall of Fame defensive back Aeneas Williams to tell us why he believes Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce belong in Ken and really what the difference was in covering Bruce and Terrell Owens. But that's not all. We also have another Hall of Famer. That'd be NFL historian John Turney, a pro football journal. He's a Hall of Fame historian to give us an outsider's look at what will happen inside the Hall of Fame Board of Selectors room this Saturday. Hey, Gooseman, one other question for you. We, we've had long debates before, but with Tagliabue and Owens as candidates, should this meeting should be timed with an hourglass? I mean, it's going to go on forever, isn't it? Yeah, the, the fact we have 18 candidates is going to automatically make it a long day. You know, Those of us who have been in the room in the past for Owens and Tagliabue debates know this meeting is going to be longer than most. You know, If we allotted 30 minutes apiece to a candidate involving the presentation and discussion, that's nine hours right there, and most of these candidates will exceed 30 minutes. Well, we, I know we go in at, what, 7 a.m. Central Time. They want us out of there 3.30 no Central way. Time, local no time. Way. Yeah, and, and, and can you see at the end this going, let's hurry it along, guys. Let's hurry it along. And I think Owens is one of the last presentations, isn't it? The last. Ooh, <laughs> ouch. Uh, hey, Ronnie, um, yes, give people, our listeners, an idea what, what the day looks like. I started to right there, but because they really don't know. I mean, when it starts, and it does start at 7 a.m., but how long we're in there and, and how the meeting's conducted. Most people arrive a little before 7, uh, Clark. Sit down, have the bagels, have the muffins, fight to get a seat next to Goose. Uh, and then, uh, like Tom Coughlin steams, if you arrive late, they lock the door, and you are out, barred from admission. I don't think it's ever happened, but it's always a worry when you're stuck in traffic. So well, then there'll be some opening remarks from David Baker, touchdown maker, the president of the hall. Uh, and then we we begin our debates with the, uh, as we mentioned, with the senior candidate. Uh, and then we move on from there. There's some opening remarks like, lay off the bacon and leave some for me, would you please? <laughs> um, well, as I said, we're going to have former Commissioner Paul Tagliabue with us, and we will. In fact, he's coming up right after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing your computer down. That's MyCleanPC.com. We're also brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number or just bring your own. To see how it works, just go to grasshopper.com. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hi, Tom Bodette, trying out one of those standing desks. Now I have the pleasure of working without the nuisance of being comfortable. Not sure a standing desk is for me. I'm really more of a resting couch kind of guy. But there is one thing I can stand behind, and that's Motel 6 offering clean, comfortable rooms still for a great low price. Now, where did I put my sitting chair? I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger, and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. 
Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Lightning. Hey, bud, Joe Pal Lightning. I was just hanging out in the old cloud of here. I thought I'd give you a call. <laughs> I hope you're still not sore about that time I uh, deep-fried your big-screen TV with that bolt. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to pay you back for that one, <laughs> for sure. Uh, a little short on cash at the moment, but uh, any day now. <laughs> yep. Well, anywho, talk later. Lightning won't pay for the damage it causes. Luckily, the GEICO Insurance Agency makes getting coverage a snap. Visit GEICO.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. A good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where my pillow comes in, and now they're offering two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows for one special price. Go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener special tab, and use the promo code SKY. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825. Promo code SKY, S-K-Y. MyPillow, guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green. Simple Green. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. The Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, which just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. You know what? You probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. As we mentioned, former Commissioner Paul Taglibu was one of two contributor candidates in this year's Hall of Fame class. Paul succeeded Pete Rozelle in 1989 and in his 17 years as commissioner oversaw a period of enormous growth in the league from the number of teams to new stadiums, minority hiring programs, player benefits, TV rights, and ultimately revenue and interest. He also presided over 17 years of labor peace, which is of course a rarity in today's professional sports world, and we caught up with him earlier this week from his office in Washington. Paul, first of all, thank you for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for having me. I mentioned a litany of your accomplishments. Just wondering, if you were to stand in front of the Hall of Fame Board of Selectors today, and you've got three of them here, what would you tell us was your greatest achievement? Well, I think the, uh, the greatest achievement, which involved a lot of the specific things that you mentioned, was coming in at a time when the league had was concluding a decade that was uh, pretty stagnant and uh, in the minds of some people kind of a lost decade and uh, you know that's not exactly my my term it was something that I had discussed with Pete Roselt as as we got through the replacement games in 87 and as he was approaching retirement we we talked quite a bit and he as he looked back on the decade it, it started out great with a great San Francisco uh, Cincinnati Super Bowl with a tremendous television rating but then it, it got a strike in 82 canceled seven games, then Raiders litigation, USFL litigation, replacement games in 87. So it was a decade of playing defense, you might say, and no offense, and very little growth. Television revenues were flat by the end of the decade. And I think my biggest accomplishment was coming in fresh 
uh, although I had been involved, you know, for 20 years as outside counsel, coming in fresh with a fresh group of owners. I think that was important. Jerry Jones, Norman Brayman, Pat Boland, and others uh, all were looking to uh, an era of growth, an era of innovation, an era of change. And we made the transition from, you know, what was in many ways a lost decade to a to a very positive decade, which was helped, of course, by television technology evolving. But I think the key thing was getting the labor agreement done with the Players Association. So I look back, that's the big picture, and a lot of the specific things are part of that uh, agenda. Paul, we're going to start throwing some hardballs here, so get your bat ready. <laughs> one of the reasons or one of the concerns with your candidacy that's come up in the room is California. The NFL went the final 12 years of your commissionership without a team in the nation's second largest city, Los Angeles. The three worst stadiums in the NFL were in, all in California, Oakland, San Diego, San Francisco. Baseball got new stadiums built in San Diego and San Francisco, but football could not. What happened in California? Well, in California, it was a big disappointment for me, and uh, it was a disappointment for, for Pete Rozelle before me. And finally, uh, some of it's been resolved uh, in the last um, you know, 12 months. But it, it began with uh, Cal Rosenblum moving out of the Coliseum, going to Anaheim in 78. Then uh, there were other team moves, the Colts and the Cardinals. And uh, then we had the Raiders move and lit- litigation that went on for probably three years. So so the whole the context of addressing the issues was not a positive one, let's put it that way. Yeah. The, the Rams had been the heart and soul of the league's presence in, in L.A., and, and now they were in Anaheim, which for many people... Southern California, not L.A. And then the litigation soured a lot of relationships, and not only you know within the league, but uh, within the community. There were pro Raiders people, anti Raiders people. But uh, you know we we worked very hard. We got the Hollywood Park deal done in 1995 after the Rams moved. And you know I had been hearing, we all had been hearing that the Rams and the Raiders did not want to share the greater L.A. market. So after the Rams moved to St. Louis, we put together a group of owners and club executives and negotiated a deal for a stadium in Hollywood Park, which was for the Raiders and for a second team if there was ever an NFC replacement team to come into the market. That thing got done. It was approved by the league's finance committee. And then on the day that it was supposed to be announced, uh, Al Davis called me and said he had second thoughts. He wasn't going to go forward with the deal. He was going back to Oakland. That was a huge disappointment for everybody. And uh, after that, we uh, we didn't get anything done in Los Angeles. We tried some things with News Corp when it owned the Dodgers and, and had control of Chavez Ravine. We worked with uh, Mayor Reardon at various times. We worked with Mayor Vigorosa. But that was just one piece of the puzzles. I think the biggest issue in San Diego and San Francisco is the difference between what a football stadium costs and the kind of space it needs and, and a baseball stadium, uh, football stadiums were then and still are much bigger. The footprint that's required for the stadium and for the parking and, and the ancillary mass transit for a football stadium is a lot more expensive than for a baseball stadium. We learned that all over the country. Some of our stadium issues got started in the wake of baseball stadiums being built in cities like Baltimore and Cleveland when football stadiums couldn't get built. So it's not just California where you see the pattern of uh, baseball having an advantage. The biggest advantage is playing 81 games and having a building that's usable for lots of other events. It's smaller, it's better for concerts, it's better for other events. So ultimately, we, we address the stadium issues at the league level by putting 
that cost-sharing formula in place in 1999, which led to the, state, the new stadiums in New England, Philadelphia, Denver, Detroit, and other places. We tried to make that work in San Francisco and San Diego, but we never could make it work. And uh, some of the issues had to do with costs that were unique to California, including earthquake proofing of stadiums, which was an issue in the Bay Area in particular. Uh, other advantages that baseball had is that you can put them into entertainment districts, which they did in San Diego, and you and you have financing arrangements that you don't have when you when the team is outside of an entertainment district. So there are lots of factors and a lot of work, but. Bottom line is we didn't get done in California what we were able to get done in, in virtually the entire rest of the country. Paul, i got a couple of questions for you about what I know a lot of people think is one of the major issues that's going to have to be uh, addressed when we talk about your candidacy, which is concussions and the history of the league during your tenure. In December of 1994, during a panel discussion at the 92nd Street Y in New York uh, that also included NBA Commissioner David Stern, NHL Commissioner uh, Gary Bettman, yours truly in the audience, and uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist David Halberstam, I think was the moderator, as I recall. And uh, he asked you about the issue, and you said famously, on concussions, I think is one of those packed journalism issues. Frankly, there is no increase in concussions. The number is relatively small. The problem is a journalist issue. Since then, 94 of the 96 brains examined by Boston University Medical Center have come up football players has been has been littered with CTE. Do you regret those remarks and what would you say today if asked the same question? You know, obviously I do regret those remarks. Looking back it was uh, not it was not sensible language to use to express my thoughts at the time. Uh, my language was intemperate and it led to serious misunderstanding. I I I, I overreacted on issues where we which we were already working on but that doesn't excuse the overreaction and the intemperate language. Uh, you know, bottom line, it sounded like I was shooting the messenger rather than dealing with the message, which was the concussion issue. So, you know, my intention at the time was to make a point that it, it could have been made fairly simply, that there was a need for better data, there was a need for more reliable information about concussions, uniformity in terms of how they were being defined, in terms of severity, reporting from the clubs was inadequate at that time. And bottom line was we needed to improve the system we had. You couldn't draw firm conclusions based on what we had. But like I say, I overreacted and uh, made it appear like I was shooting the messenger, which was a mistake. We'll hear more from Hall of Fame finalist Paul Tagliabue in our second hour. Up next is Joe Gibbs on Joe Jacoby. This is the Talk of Fame Network. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger, and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS. ConsumerAccess.org. Number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. GEICO presents a voicemail from your friend, Lightning. 
Hey, bud, it's your old pal Lightning. I was just hanging out in the old cloud of here. Thought I'd give you a call. <laughs> I hope you're still not sore about that time I uh, deep fried your big screen TV with that bolt. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to pay you back for that one, <laughs> for sure. Uh, a little short on cash at the moment, but uh, any day now. <laughs> yep. Well, anywho, talk later. Lightning won't pay for the damage it causes. Luckily, the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting coverage a snap. Visit geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Hi, Tom Bodette. Call me old-fashioned, but I just don't get modern art. Time was, if you splattered paint on a canvas, it was called a drop cloth. Now, it's called genius. Well, something modern I do appreciate are the newly renovated rooms in Motel 6. Totally updated with all-new everything, still at a great low price. It's like modern art, only it looks good and has a point. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book direct at motel6.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Hey, Ron Borges. Yes, sir. You know what it means when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance? Wish I called 15 minutes ago. You should have called 15 minutes ago. And you should go to geico.com and you should have gone 15 minutes ago. Along with that Redskins fight song. And hearing that reminds me, we've got Joe Gibbs on the line. Joe Gibbs has three Super Bowl rings on his hand and a bust in Canton. And for good reason. He won those Super Bowls during his first coaching stint with the Washington Redskins. And he won them with three different quarterbacks. Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and Mark Rippon. None, of course, is in the Hall of Fame. But several of his players are. Daryl Green, for instance, Russ Grimm, Mark Monk, John Riggins. But Joe believes strongly there should be at least one more, and that's why he's here with us today to talk about class of 2017 finalist Joe Jacoby. Joe Gibbs, thanks for coming back. Hey, thanks, guys. Rick, Ron, Clark, thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I love to hear that Redskin fight song. It gets me going, man. It gets, it gets me going, okay? <laughs> Joe, we had uh, Hall of Famer Chris Dolan on the show last week, and he said Jacoby deserved to be in the Hall of Fame based strictly on the competition he faced, citing the 1980 yep. decade. Lawrence Taylor twice a year, Fred Dean, Red, Richard Dent, Charles Haley, Bruce Smith, Hall of Famers, one and all. Did that level of competition make Joe the player he became? I, I think the competition definitely did. You think about this guy's history. He came in there uh, as a free agent, and immediately the very first time we saw him on the field, his feet and the way he could move, and obviously his size for those days, but I do think you're exactly right. When you think about the people he went up against and playing left tackle, we all know what a premium that is. And so I felt like Joe, think about him, he goes through four Super Bowls with us. He was a mainstay. He could have played guard, but we kept him out there at tackle because he was so valuable out there for us. And I think that's a big one of the one of the best things Joe got going for himself is all those guys, Lawrence Taylor and all those people that talked about playing across from Jacoby. Those those games were wars. I remember those things and some of the some of the goal line stands and everything that we had and Joe meant so much to us and like you said, he played at a time where there were some great players playing across from him and the NFC East in those days, think about it. What the Giants, Redskins, Philly, you think about that defensive line for Philadelphia and then of course Dallas also. So I think he played at a time where it was black and blue division, and you got to make it happen, and Joe made it happen for us. 
you mentioned Joe that in 1981, uh, Jacoby came in as a as a rookie free agent. He was undrafted by 28 teams through 12 rounds. Now here we're the four of us are talking about him, uh, very likely getting a shot to go into the Hall of Fame. How does that happen? I mean, we all understand mistakes get made and everything, but you know, you tend to scratch your head and say, "Well, it wasn't like he was five foot eight. <laughs> Pretty big guy. How no, does this no. happen?" Well, I, I got to say, I was just talking about it down the way here when it comes to racing because a lot of this, our pit crews and guys going over the wall, here's what happens with sports. We all get caught up in how fast we can run, how high they can jump, uh, what they weigh, and so all those things the scouts are eager to tell you. But the one thing that you can't weigh is what? Your heart. Right. And it's what kind of person and what kind of heart they have. And as a consequence, you have guys like Tom Brady <laughs> getting drafted <laughs> in the fifth round or whatever and sitting on the bench for two years. Uh, uh, you know, like you talked about our quarterbacks, Theisman was a third, Mark Rippon was a fifth. Listen, it is hard to evaluate people. And I used to laugh because in every city, when somebody takes a first-round draft choice, they say, oh, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. And, and, and that isn't the case. How many times do we miss on picking people because it's the intangibles it's the thing that really what makes a person you know come early stay late and is willing to pay a price i always tell this little story 1984 we got off to a horrible start playing a monday night game against the cardinals i came out i always talked to the team the night before but it was a monday night game i came out and said just this if you guys got anything to give the washington redskins give it tonight we've got to have this had our prayer stood up Three of those big suckers that went with me through four Super Bowls were crying. That's what you need, people that care, I think. And it, and it carries over to all sports. It carries over to business. It carries over to media, everything you guys are doing. And it's so hard to evaluate people because, you know, those are the things that you really need to know what's inside of them. And I think that's one of the best things that, that Joe's – got going for himself i think he's an elite player that would pay a price he was there early stayed late and he was a mainstay and we could always count on joe how quickly did you know that about him or, or come to realize that was there some moment where you walk into your staff meeting and say hey fellas this guy's a special guy i think yeah well what happened to us is uh, we had invested in in uh, mark may and and Grimm in the draft that year because we were trying to rebuild our line and uh we got joe as a free agent you all know the story but i thought he's a defensive lineman and he said in there the nicest person in the world <laughs> wouldn't correct me or anything i was selling him on playing uh four down <laughs> front. that's how smart i am by the way <laughs> but here's what happened we got him out there and the very first time that we had scrimmages and the very first time we saw him on film, that's when he showed up. His feet, the intensity, and, uh, you know, in that line, we wound up with Jeff Bostic being a free agent. He, he was a, and, and we got Jacoby, wound up playing left tackle. It allowed us to move May and Grimm, and we wind up as a studly group, you know. Uh, but I, I, I think when you asked me that question, it was the very first time that we started preseason and on scrimmages we saw him in action, how quick he was with his feet and everything. And, you know, we used to try, we used to turn out with him on pass protection against four, three ends. And, you know, that's, that's, as we all know, 
you got to have an athlete at, at left tackle. Right. And Joe was an athlete, plus he was super strong and super big. He's a he's a massive guy with, with a great heart. We're speaking with Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at Talk of Fame Net. And, Joe, I want to talk about one of our favorite people, and that's Don Coriel. He's uh, also one of the finalists um, beyond Joe Jacoby, and he gave you your head start at San Diego State, and you later served as an offense coordinator with him, with the Chargers, of course, now the L.A. Chargers. But uh, he's, as I said, one of the 15 modern-year finalists in this class. What was his greatest contribution to the coaching profession that would make him worthy of a bust in Canton? I think this guy was one of the most unusual people I've ever been around in life. He was the most intense person that I, I honestly can say that I've been around in coaching. I would actually go at San Diego State when I first got a chance to be a graduate assistant under he and Madden, by the way, John Madden. <laughs> and I was the gopher. I would a- open the door. I would open the door to his office sometimes, and he would be sitting in near dark and just concentrating, you know, and thinking about something. I remember we went to went to coach. Um, you know, he brought me with him to coach in St. Louis in the pros when he first got that job, and so we were all bashing it. So we stayed. I wound up staying with him in, in the hotel, and in his room. I mean, in a room that was uh, we had a connecting rooms. And I would get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and I would hear I would hear this ice banging around in the glass, and I would look in there, and it'd be him sitting in there, and it would be like three o'clock in the morning. I'm going to the bathroom, and he'd say something like, "Mel Gray needs to be a running back." I said, "This guy's this guy's a madman." So let me say this: as a coach, he got ready to play the game as if he was a player. And before the game, before every single game, he would find a way to hate the opponent. I mean, <laughs> literally hate them. And he could portray that to us as players any minute. He, he was dead serious. He hated them. Joe, we've got to run here, but thanks so much for the time. Thanks for the Coriel story, too, as always. <laughs> and uh, I, we'll see you this summer in Canton. Hey, good. Hey, put that Joe Jacoby in, will you? We need We're that guy our best. in there. We love this. We love Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. All right, okay. That was Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs. And guys, I'll be honest, I think Joe Jacoby has a pretty good shot this year. Anyway, up next, we're going to hear from NFL historian John Turney on what he thinks about the class of 2017. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger, and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Tree. 
Tree here, just calling to say thanks for letting me crash at your place the other night. <laughs> well, on your place. It was a rough night. I had a bit too much wind, and I think I, I might have broke your chimney, actually. So, yeah. Um, oh, any chance you'd want to drop off my tire swing? Yeah. I mean, if not, that's cool. Okay, later. Trees won't pay for tree damage. Luckily, one call to the GEICO Insurance Agency makes it easy to switch and save on homeowners insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for a great low price. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com, and you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Our next guest is one of our favorite contributors. That's NFL historian John Turney of Pro Football Journal. And John, I know you have some thoughts on this year's Hall of Fame class, so let's get started. I'm going to ask you first question, first question, pretty logical one. I understand you have stacked this group from numbers 1 through 15, one being the, the most likely candidate or the most um, prepared, I guess, candidate for you, the, the best qualified, and through 15. Hey, can we get your top five, at least beginning with the top choice on your board? Well, it, 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 if you're asking my opinion or if you're asking what's, what I predict will happen, I think it's no, probably your opinion. No, your, your opinion. No, Who do you think is the most qualified? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one uh, is LaDainian Tomlinson. I just don't see any, you know, any chinks in the armor. There, uh, I think Kurt Warner, I think, is qualified being a two-time, and actually, I think, a three-time MVP, and that he won the uh, NEA MVP, which was the first of all MVP awards. He won that in 2008. And after that, uh, I really think, statistically, eventually, Terrell Owens is going to get in, but you can't deny what he did on the field. Now, there's some intangibles that are going to affect him, and I'm not predicting he will get in. And I also think uh, because Jason Taylor was a defensive player of the year and moved some positions and, and was an impact player, lots of uh, defensive scores, lots of forced fumbles. And, um, you know, and, th- and then it gets a little bit nebulous, but I, I can't remember exactly who I put, but uh, I think Falcons. the committee needs to take a long look at Ty Law in, in the fact that uh, in this era he had quite a lot of picks. So that's – it, like I said, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, it, it's really hard to distinguish. But that's how I You just made Ron happy with Ty Law. You just yeah. made Ron very happy. Couldn't it be writer. <laughs> okay, John, well, I'll I be think... I'll writing they... something on him later in the week. There we go. Okay, we'll get it on our side, too. Um, hey, John, I'm, I think the guy with the best resume in this class is Morton Anderson. Two-time All-Decade guy, all-time leading scorer. You got him 12th on your list. Why so low? Well, the, the reason is... It's just so hard to put a kicker above position players. It's it's nothing against him. I mean, if I when I write about it, the hype is going to be he was a weapon that was ahead of his time. He was somebody who could make the long kicks and, and gave the Saints and Falcons quite a bit of uh, an advantage. The knock on him, the only one I can find, is that he did play most of his career in a dome, so half his games were were protected. So he had a little bit of help there. So. 
it's one of those things where if you're rating all these guys from 1 to 15, yeah, 12 seems low, but if you're giving them a, a score of on a scale of 1 to 10, the top guys might be a 10 or a 9, and the bottom guys are a 7 or 8. So you got something against kickers. <laughs> <laughs> or Spartans. <laughs> no, not, not, not necessarily. I, you know, if, if I personally think all 15 will eventually get in. I did a statistical study at one point, and once you make the final 15, you have a yeah. 90% chance of getting in. If you make it more than once, eventually you're going to get in. Let's be, uh, you know, let's be really honest about it. you. Don't like Danish muffins and Danish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the real problem is. You hate Denmark, uh, John. Well, I, yeah, there's nothing against him. I do, I do know that there was one statistical study that said the most points scored above average uh, based on conditions and things like that was Nick Lowry in the '80s. And you remember that stadium when they had that turf in there? It had the biggest crown around, plus some from vicious winds. Then he gets the rewarded after a good career. He gets to be a free agent, and he gets to kick in the Meadowlands. So <laughs> talk about a guy who had a tough uh, home kicking field. Uh, I think it might have been Nick Lowry. Wow. Interesting. Dartmouth College. Well, well, we've got four offensive linemen up. Uh, I'm wondering if you could do two things. One, rank them uh, one to four. And two, do you think it's likely that they may cancel each other out, which has happened in the past when we have that many guys at a similar position? Well, I think the modern, more modern guys are going to cancel each other out, and by that I mean Mawai and uh, and Fanica. I I don't know if either one of them will make the final ten. You know, Baselli is a kind of a new name. I think he's going to have to be discussed, and eventually, I think he gets in. Um, I, I would probably rank as pure talent and as a peak player, Baselli first, then maybe a, a Jacoby. Mawai and Fanica didn't win those extra awards that I like to follow and look at the Offensive Lineman of the Year, either an AFC or an NFC or an NFL Lineman of the Year. Jacoby didn't win any of those either, but he was the runner-up a few years. And um, Baselli won those awards, I believe, three times. Those are voted on by your peers, and it's not just one. They're just picking one lineman regardless of position. So to me, that's a, a notch above all pro. We're with NFL historian John Turney on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at talkoffamenet. And, John, I wrote a piece on our website this week about Don Coriel, who's a finalist, and why this might be his last best shot. Where would you put him in this class? Well, I'm predicting that he's going to get in. Uh, in studying this over the years, those who make the final ten usually move up. And then you have to subtract, of course, whoever might be a first ballot. So out of the final ten, I think four of those five are, are going to get in. And I think Coriel is one of those. And it's not going to be necessarily just on what he did as a, as a head coach, but he's kind of in the innovator range, kind of like the, the guy who advanced the three-digit system. I'm not sure it's 100% true that they're saying he invented, let's say, the, the route tree or this and that, but it's certainly true that he advanced the passing game with the Cardinals and then with the Chargers. So I wasn't aware that this was his last chance, and then he goes into a different pool. Uh, that one kind of got by me, but I predict he will be inducted this year. John, John Lynch was a, a Final Ten guy, too, last year. Do you think he holds his standing in the queue, or does Brian Dawkins pass him? I think Brian Dawkins passes him. And, again, it's nothing against uh, John Lynch. He was a guy who played in that Tampa 2 defense. And for a guy who played as much cover 2 as he did, even though he was a strong safety, his interception total is a bit low. He did play in the box some, of course. But I just think there's, there's pro scouting groups out there, and I've talked to one where they rate the top players as blue, then red, then there's purple. And the best way to sum it up is, is 
Brian Dawkins was a blue player far more often, and um, John Lynch was more of a, a high red player. Of the two, I think Dawkins was more dynamic, and I do think he makes the final ten. I'm predicting that Lynch won't. Just a quick question. Does, does longevity matter to you? To me, uh, to some degree. If it's, it's just that's a hard thing. I mean, it, what you're talking about, I guess, is that Gale Sayers exception. And I had no problems at all when it was applied to Dwight Stevenson. The question is, is how far does it go? I mean, I think Kenny Easley didn't have a lot of longevity, but I think he's going to get in. And then you have players like a Baselli and a Terrell Davis. And, I, again, I eventually think they will all get in. You have to be super special, like an MVP, like winning Player of the Year awards, in my opinion, to overcome that lack of longevity. Well, John, we're blue players because we're out of time. So thanks, <laughs> as always, for stopping by. Sorry we're going to miss you in Houston, but uh, thanks for stopping by. Uh, thank you. That was NFL historian John Turney, Pro Football Journal, and that's the end of our first hour. But don't move. When we return, we'll sit down with Hall of Famers Tony Dungy and Aeneas Williams and resume our conversation with Hall of Fame candidate Paul Tagliabue. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hey, this is Brian Dawkins, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger, and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Tree. Tree here, just calling to say thanks for letting me crash at your place the other night. <laughs> well, on your place. It was a rough night. I had a bit too much wind, and I think I, I might have broke your chimney, actually. So, yeah. Um, oh, any chance you'd want to drop off my tire swing? Yeah. I mean, if not, that's cool. Okay, later. Trees won't pay for tree damage. Luckily, one call to the GEICO Insurance Agency makes it easy to switch and save on homeowners insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette, trying out one of those standing desks. Now I have the pleasure of working without the nuisance of being comfortable. Not sure a standing desk is for me. I'm really more of a resting couch kind of guy. But there is one thing I can stand behind, and that's Motel 6 offering clean, comfortable rooms still for a great low price. Now, where did I put my sitting chair? I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. What the hell are we waiting on? Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Do you want it or not? Rick Gosselin. Do you understand there's a price to pay? And Clark Judge. Can we have fun? You're damn right. I demand that we have fun. The Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO. Just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more. Car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. You know something? You probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame Network. And as promised, we have Tony Dungy here with us. And Tony, 
was our very first guest on the Talk of Fame Network way back in the fall of 2014. And since then, well, like us, he's been busy. He's been authoring another best-selling book and inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And as most of you know, Tony, of course, coached Tampa Bay and Indianapolis, winning a Super Bowl as head coach of the Colts. And he now provides studio commentary for NBC on Football Night in America. We wanted his take on Super Bowl 51 and on this year's finalists for the Hall's class of 2017. So we've asked him back for, I think, guys, a record-breaking fourth Four time. Fourth time. Hey, Tony, congratulations on yet another accomplishment. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm always excited to be back with you guys. Uh, I think that's a good sign when they invite you back. That, that's usually <laughs> pretty good, so I'm, I'm happy. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Tony, let's start with the game. You, you had your share of high-profile matchups with Tom Brady during your coaching career at the Colts. What tip would you give Atlanta defensive coaches about Brady? Well, first of all, there, there's a couple of things. Number one, all the tape that you've watched and the games that you've played against them before, you can almost throw those out the window. You're going to get some type of different game plan, some type of different attack. I saw where the Pittsburgh players that they were a little taken by surprise by the no huddle. There's always going to be something like that. The team that you saw last week and what they did probably won't be the group that you see uh, in the Super Bowl. And then the second piece of advice I would give them is some way, somehow, you've got to figure out a way to get pressure up the middle. Uh, We had outside pass rushers, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis. That doesn't seem to bother Brady. The, the pressure that you get inside, in his face, in those short drops, that's important. Romeo Cornell had the right idea. You saw him with Houston take Whitney Merciless, put him inside, rush him over the center, Clowney over the center, getting up inside. That's what you have to do. It's easier said than done, though. You're also former NFL defensive back, of course, and secondary coach, Tony. And uh, what tip would you give? Uh, not that you necessarily want to give New England's coaches any tips, but if you do, uh, <laughs> how do you how do you cover Julio Jones? What what do they need to do to keep him at least under control? Well, he's been dominant, but I, I'll tell you what: Bill Belichick has a knack for taking away the, the best weapon from the other team, and no no doubt they're going to try to do that. I'm not sure if it's going to be Malcolm Butler. I don't think it'll be Malcolm Butler by himself. Julio is just too big and strong. Even when he's covered, they throw the ball to him, and he makes great catches. So you're going to see a number of things. You're going to see Butler playing him underneath with help over the top. You're going to see double coverages from safety. They might even take Butler and put him on Sanu or put him on one of the other receivers, let Logan Ryan and a a couple of other people take Julio Jones and, and just force the ball to go away from him. But that's the thing that, that Belichick will do well. I would not be surprised even to see maybe six and seven defensive backs, things like that, where they just dare them to run the football, try to slow the game down, kind of like they did in the, the Super Bowl against the Rams. So you're going to see a lot of different things. There's not any one way that you can defend Julio Jones. We're speaking with Hall of Fame coach, NBC analyst, and longtime friend, Tony Dungy on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at talkoffamenet. And Tony, this is Bill Belichick's seventh Super Bowl, of course, but it's the first for Atlanta's Dan Quinn. Uh, you won your Super Bowl head coaching debut with the Colts in 2006. So what advice would you give Dan Quinn or a first-time coach going to the Super Bowl? Well, I'll tell you, Clark, I did a lot of research, and I was very, very fortunate. I called... Uh, a lot of people who had been in Super Bowls. I called um, Andy Reid. I called Bill Cower, Mike Holmgren, people that I knew. And tell me about 
the situation, those guys that won, what did you do well, what was important, if you had things to do differently. And the biggest thing I got was the length of the week and the length of the day, trying to shrink that down. I went as late as I could go, uh, gave the players a lot of freedom on Monday and Tuesday early in the week, tried to get their minds off the week. And then that game day, uh, probably the biggest tip I got was from uh, Andy Reid, just saying how long the halftime is. We ended up having snacks for our guys, changing clothes, which was helpful because it rained in our game. But even if it didn't, understanding that that normal halftime is 12 minutes, you can't get going on all your adjustments and then sit in there for 25 minutes uh, and wait to go. We had a clock that kind of counted everything down for us. We waited until that clock got to 12 minutes and then started our normal halftime routine. So just some things like that about the the focus and, and everything. I would definitely talk to coaches who've been there in the last five years. That's terrific insight. Um, so, so, Tony, who do you like in this game and why? Well, I like New England just because of the fact I think they're a little bit better defensively. I think both teams will move the ball and score points. But I think New England, they, they always have a knack uh, with this coaching staff of forcing field goals. I think you're going to see Atlanta move the ball, uh, get some of those explosive plays, but a, a red zone defense and forcing some field goals I think we'll do it. I, I kind of see New England winning a high-scoring game. Tony, is it their tackling, Tony? Because I, you know, I've, as you know, I've been around the team all year and I watch them. And I just don't think they're that good on defense. When I think of you know the '85 Bears or you know the the Ravens, I don't think of these guys. But they tackle you when you fall down. Is that what makes them? successful they're a good fundamentally sound unit you don't see people uh running free in the secondary you saw that green bay game and and you saw a lot of receivers just running wide open in pittsburgh secondary you saw guys running wide open so you're not going to see that they force you to make good throws all the time they don't beat themselves you aren't going to see the the dumb penalties you aren't going to see things where they just self-destruct so uh they do a good job of slowing people down and, and probably the best thing they do is they mix things up and they make it tough for you to score inside the 7-8 yard line, and that's what they count on. They know their offense is high scoring. They know they're going to put points on the board. So they don't get concerned about giving up field goals. You know, in the Green Bay game, there's, I think, seven or eight seconds left in the half, and Green Bay's playing man coverage and blitzing, and Julio Jones catches the fade one-on-one coverage because they're trying to come up with a big play Belichick doesn't worry about that. He'll let you kick field goals, and you have to be content to do that, and you have to come up with some good scoring plays inside the 12-yard line, and that that's the key to, to defeating New England. But they play good, sound defense, and they just don't make mistakes. Hey, Tony, uh, I, I want to ask you about this uh, class of 2017 for the Hall. Uh, you, of course, you played safety for the Steelers, and, and there are three safeties on this Hall of Fame ballot, one of whom you coach, and that's John Lynch. How do you view the candidacies of, of Lynch, Brian Dawkins, and Kenny Easley? You know, they're three very similar type players. They could do a lot of things. I'm pretty partial. and As a matter of fact, I'm mad at you guys because there hasn't been a safety elected in so long. And I think <laughs> safety is actually the hardest position to play on the defensive unit. And you look at all three of these guys. They can make line of scrimmage. They could make line of scrimmage tackles like linebackers for no gain. They could cover tight ends and even some wide receivers up the field. They played zone coverage where you had to have a lot of range. They were smart, tough guys. Um, I'll tell you a story about Kenny Easley. Uh, We coached the AFC in the Pro Bowl in 1984. Kenny Easley's playing. He uh, makes a tackle in the first quarter. The doctor comes to me and says he's got a separated shoulder. 
after they examine him on the sideline, and he starts putting his pads back on. And I said, Kenny, what are you doing? He said, well, I can't let Deron Cherry and Van McElroy play the whole game. I have to go back out there. Played three quarters in the Pro Bowl with a separated shoulder. Now we have guys that don't even, won't even go to the game. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of guy Kenny Easley was, tremendous player. John Lynch uh, did so much in that Buccaneers defense. And, I, you know, John, more than statistics, the, the, what he brought to the team, the things that he did, the, the game-changing hits, the game-changing interception, uh, just being in the right place at the right time, very, very difficult. But safety has been undervalued. My roommate from the Steelers, I'll get on my soapbox again, Donnie Shell, 70 takeaways, five Pro Bowls, four Super Bowl rings, I, I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. It, it baffles me. You know what, Tony? We could ask you into that roommate presentation because uh, we believe he should be in as well. Um, we got to run, unfortunately, but always, always great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. And if you come on again, Tony, we're hiring you as one of our co-hosts, okay? Is that a deal? <laughs> well, I always love to talk to you guys. It's uh, such a great show and appreciate what you guys have done covering football all these years it's been a pleasure listening to you reading your stuff and uh, it's just been awesome thanks tony always thanks, a pleasure thank you that was hall of fame coach tony dungeon gooseman he always makes sense doesn't he he's your friend our friend great guy anyway it'll be good to see him next week next up more from paul tagliabue in part two of our interview with a contributor candidate for this year's hall of fame class you're listening to the talk of fame network now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hi, Tom Bodette, trying out one of those standing desks. Now I have the pleasure of working without the nuisance of being comfortable. Not sure a standing desk is for me. I'm really more of a resting couch kind of guy. But there is one thing I can stand behind, and that's Motel 6 offering clean, comfortable rooms still for a great low price. Now, where did I put my sitting chair? I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger, and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Lightning. Hey, bud, Joe Pal Lightning. I was just hanging out in the old cloud of rue here. I thought I'd give you a call. <laughs> I hope you're still not sore about that time I uh, deep-fried your big screen TV with that bolt. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to pay you back for that one, <laughs> for sure. Uh, a little short on cash at the moment, but uh, any day now. <laughs> yep. Well, anywho, talk later. Lightning won't pay for the damage it causes. Luckily, the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting coverage a snap. Visit geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be.
A good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where my pillow comes in, and now they're offering two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go anywhere travel pillows for one special price. Go to mypillow.com, click the radio listener special tab, and use the promo code SKY. That's mypillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1 800 635 1825. Promo code SKY, S K Y. My pillow, guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Well, we're back with part two of our conversation with Hall of Fame finalist Paul Tagliabue. And when we last heard from him, Ron was on the clock asking the former commissioner about 1994. That same year, of course, you appointed uh, a rheumatologist, Dr. Elliot Perlman, as head of the a mild traumatic brain injury committee. Uh, he later would become your personal physician for a number of years, uh, as I understand it, but he was not at that time. And Dr. Pellman r- repeatedly attacked research into the concussion issue. He downplayed it. He dismissed it. Uh, he was the author or co-author of nine of 16 NFL-supported papers published in Neurosurgery, the leading scientific journal on the issue. Uh, all minimizing the effects of concussions and several attacking the work of Dr. Ben Amalo, who, of course, is the first guy to find CTE, the brain of Mike Webster. He had no training in neurology. He had no real knowledge of concussion research. I'm just wondering why you would appoint such a person, because as a lawyer, I just wonder if, if you heard that I was forming a panel, for example, on tax law, and I named a divorce lawyer as its chairman, what would you think of me? You know, frankly, I, I think it, it might be sensible. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish with the committee and what you're trying to accomplish in the larger context. And uh, what we were trying to accomplish as we uh, got into 94, 95, when I, uh, we had a panel starting in 93, and then we had the subcommittee that uh, Dr. Pellman chaired. What we were trying to do was address rules. We were trying to arrest, address enforcement of rules. We were trying to address responsibilities, responsibilities of doctors, team physicians, owners, general managers, coaches, players, and we were trying to set a framework for research. I felt that a very important aspect of that was that we had to change the culture. And in many ways, the culture started with the team physicians, and it was improving. When I became commissioner in 89, I had I had been approached by the president of the NFL Physician Society, who told me there was a tremendous increase in the quality of team physicians and they, and they wanted to work to get clo- more closely together with each other and more closely with the league. So uh, in part, I was focused on the role of the team physicians, and we had not just Dr. Pellman, but we had uh, uh, Dr. Tucker, we had Dr. Bergfeld, we had Dr. Wackerly. We had a number of team physicians involved in those efforts because it was my view that if things were going to change, they had to, it had to be internal organic change to be real. If we If we just ignored the status quo and the the attitudes that existed in the culture at that time and tried to change it from outside, there would be a lot of pushback and we wouldn't succeed. Dr. Pellman came to my attention 
after Al Toon retired and after Dennis Bird was injured, which was basically you know the same weekend back in late November 1992. Right. And Al Toon, when Al Toon retired, Dr. Pelman was part of the Jets group of physicians who recommended that he retire because of repeat concussions. And they told him what he said publicly, that repeat concussions could have long-term negative effects and you should retire. And after that, after those two episodes with the Jets, the Altoon retirement and um, the Dennis Bird injury, I got a call from Leon Hess, the owner of the Jets, who told me that their team physician was a person who I should get involved in these issues of head, neck, and spine injuries because he was a hard worker, he was highly intelligent, he was a good organizer, and he could work effectively with coaches and players, and he was willing to stand up for the medical point of view and not be cowed. So I put him in charge knowing you know, what his specialties were. But in a lot of contexts, I've been chairing the board at Georgetown University. I've been involved in governance in a lot of organizations. I think think that the chairman of a committee needs to be able to work with people. He needs to be able to recruit people. He needs to to identify the special knowledge, like you say, tax law, divorce law, that's that's being addressed. But he does not necessarily have to be uh, a specialist in that particular area. If he has other qualities and other skills that are supportive of what you're trying to accomplish. You know, the, the fact that he became my team, my personal physician later had not a single thing to do with any decisions about Dr. Pellman or anyone else. It was purely based on the track record that these men had with their teams and what I thought they could help us accomplish with internal change. As you know, when, when we started enforcing the, the rules on hits of quarterbacks and defensive, defenseless players with Mark Carey and Chuck Cecil and other players, there was a lot of pushback. I remember criticizing who the hell are the suits in New York who are telling us how to play football. <laughs> they're, they're, they're making it into touch football instead of tackle football. So there was a culture. And people like Bill Walsh had talked to me about the culture. they got to get the culture away from this mentality that, that the game's all about hitting and, and get it with a focus on skill and speed and preparation. So like I say, uh, we, we, were, we were trying to create a system where we would address rules, in collaboration with the Players Association, because by 93 we finally had a labor agreement, rules, responsibilities, and research. And I felt that over time, you know, the key was publishing reports publicly in peer-reviewed journals, the purpose of which is to stimulate stimulate discussion, stimulate criticism. If you don't get criticism when you're doing cutting-edge research, you're probably not asking the right questions and not addressing the cutting-edge issues. So there's a complex set of uh, issues there, but uh, I felt overall we, we were in the forefront, and Dr. Pellman and his team were the first ones who put together biomechanical ways of an- analyzing concussions, which were similar to the automobile test dummies that are used in the automobile industry, where you can simulate helmet-to-helmet collisions. And, and we, we made a video of those biomechanical things, which was prepared by a university in Canada and a firm in Canada, and we showed it. We showed it at a league meeting because what was needed most of all was data. You know, we would whether we had a hundred incidents a year or a thousand incidents a year, we needed tens of thousands. And mass data is key to that kind of research. So a lot of things were done. I think were positive. Certainly, there were some things that turned out to be not so positive. But on balance, I thought that that group did a lot of good work. Hey, Paul, we're nearly out of time, but I've got one question I want to ask you moving on to TV networks. In in 1992, CBS and NBC convinced uh, TV committee chairman Art Modell that they were losing money on NFL football. So as I best recall, Art negotiated a rebate of something like $238 million. 
And, and you endorsed that deal, and it would have cost each team, I think, $8.5 million. But the new guard of owners, as I recall at least then, mustered enough votes to stop that deal. And then, of course, Fox got involved, and the money in the next contract uh, escalated almost, I think, by a billion dollars. Where, where was the miscalculation on the part of the league then? Well, I think there were two things, basically, that drove the idea of – maybe three things that drove the idea of uh, a giveback in 92. The first was that – when we negotiated those contracts, we got huge increases out of the networks because we created competition that had not existed before. And what I mean by that is previously, you know, Pete Rozelle had a deal which included like five ESPN games from 87 through 89. We brought Turner into the mix and we brought ESPN into the mix. And, and between them, they took a whole season of games on Sunday night. But the key thing was that now we had competition between two cable systems and that in turn created competition for the broadcast network. So we got huge increases. Second thing that happened was there was a recession in 91, and the projections that the networks were using in terms of ad revenue were falling way below the projected you know, economy that resulted from the recession. Part of the recession had to do with the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. So the networks paid a, paid a lot. Their projections turned out to be wrong in terms of where the economy went. And the third factor was... As you remember, we had negotiated a deal, four-year deals with the networks where there were, in the first two years, there were going to be 16 games over 17 weeks with one right. buy for each team, which was the first time the buy week concept had been put into the, into the scheduling. And then for the second two years, in order to help the networks make up the big money as it escalated under the contract, we were supposed to do 16 games over 18 weeks with two buys. And we decided that that was a mistake because it thinned out the schedule too much. Paul, we're going to run, but uh, thanks so much for the time and your patience. And best of luck this weekend with your Hall of Fame candidacy. Well, thanks very much again for having me. I appreciate it. That was Hall of Fame finalist Paul Taglibu. Up next, Hall of Fame defensive back Aeneas Williams to tell us about a couple Rams in this year's class, Kurt Warner and Ike Bruce. This is the Talk of Fame Network. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS Consumer Access. Number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Lightning. Hey, bud, Joe Pal Lightning. I was just hanging out in the old cloud of rue here. I thought I'd give you a call. <laughs> I hope you're still not sore about that time I uh, deep fried your big screen TV with that bolt. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to pay you back for that one, <laughs> for sure. Uh, a little short on cash at the moment, but uh, any day now. <laughs> yep. Well, anywho, talk later. 
Lightning won't pay for the damage it causes. Luckily, the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting coverage a snap. Visit geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Hi, Tom Bodette. Call me old-fashioned, but I just don't get modern art. Time was, if you splattered paint on a canvas, it was called a drop cloth. Now, it's called genius. Well, something modern I do appreciate are the newly renovated rooms at Motel 6. Totally updated with all-new everything, still at a great low price. It's like modern art, only it looks good and has a point. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book direct at motel6.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com, and you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Our next guest was one of the first ever to be on this program, I think somewhere around three years ago, and he was one of the best. I'm talking, of course, about Hall of Fame defensive back Aeneas Williams, who was an eight-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, member of the 1990s All-Decade team, and most important, one of our favorite guests. Aeneas, welcome back. Glad to be back, Clark. So glad to be with you, Ryan and Rick, and appreciate the work that you guys do with the arduous task of making those final selections with the Hall of Fame. Well, thank you very much. Um, Aeneas, first question. We've been talking here, speaking about the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame's Class of 2017 finalist. And you're in a perfect position to comment on them because you played with and against Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce, and you had to defend T.O. Terrell Owens. I want to start with Kurt Warner. You you had to defend some of the best quarterbacks in league history, and you played alongside this guy. What makes Kurt Warner Hall of Fame worthy? Wow. Man, where do I start? If we just talk about the football field, when it comes down to I've had the unique challenge or opportunity – to play with them, obviously, in St. Louis, Clark, but also to see what Kurt was able to do going over to my former team, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. But I could tell you, when I first was traded to the St. Louis Rams, and in practice, I realized immediately Kurt was different from a lot of quarterbacks that I had experienced because plays that I would have normally made in practice certain balls that I thought are shoulder placement with quarterbacks being able to read the shoulder placement, whether the quarterback's shoulders were turned toward the sky. I could tell whether they were throwing the ball to a deep corner or they're going to throw it in a, in, a, um, in a flat, in a shorter distance. I was not able to determine where Kurt was throwing the ball. So from Kurt's ability to put the ball in place where receivers had the opportunity to obtain what we call yak yards, yards after the catch. Kurt was one of the best. I remember prior to coming to St. Louis, I remember watching, I think it was a preseason game. It was the year after uh, they had Kurt and uh, the, the Rams had won the Super Bowl against the Titans. I think they played the Titans again that next year. Uh, in preseason in Tennessee and because the Titans had lost that Super Bowl it was a real hype game and I remember just seeing it and, and the fans so excited about that game like this was a rematch and I remember Isaac Bruce I think it was ran a deep comeback fell down in his route and the ball hit Isaac in his chest on the ground 
So when I think about uh, accuracy of, of Kurt Warner and his ability to get the ball out in a timely fashion with the precision to give his receivers, as well as Marshall and those tight ends, the, the ability to not get take uh, absorb strong hits, but also have the ability to run after the catch. Those are some of the characteristics of some of the great quarterbacks that I played against. And he's in St. Louis with, with Bruce and Holt and even Oz Hakeem. Did the receivers make the quarterback, or did the quarterback make the receivers? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I'm i a firm believer, if someone asks me what comes first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> I believe with all my heart the quarterback, uh, certainly you have the great receivers, you have them, and we can list them over and over again. But what I found over my time of playing, the quarterback's ability to get the ball to receivers in a timely fashion and in ways that sometimes when they go across the middle, you see a you see a quarterback. Many times the fans may not know that ball was deliberately thrown behind in order to give an indicator to that receiver, slow down because he keeps running, danger is lurking. <laughs> that quarterback position, is, as we know today, that quarterback position is now, and I always thought was, the key to any team's success. It's funny you say that because that's what, that's what uh, all Braves receivers say about him, that he not only throws them the ball, he throws them in a place where they're not going to get killed and they're going to be most able to get yards after the catch. He's basically pointing them in a direction. You know, it's here, it's there. Well, I can tell you guys about a quarterback, and this is from a defensive perspective. I knew no matter what the situation was, no, no matter how far we were down in a game, if we as a defense were able to get the ball to the offense and Kurt had an opportunity along with that offense, we would legitimately win a game. And when, you, when I look at whether it's the Green Bay Packers or whether now it's the young Dak, uh, Dak Prescott, when you look at Tom Brady, at the end of the day, when great quarterbacks play against each other, it usually boils down to which quarterback has the ball at the end of the game. We can go back to Super Bowl 2001. Tom Brady had the ball at the end of the game. Go back to the Rams. Kurt had the ball, but then the defense was able to stop the Titans. When I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Arizona Cardinals, Kurt lost the game. Why? Rottlesberger had the ball at the end of the game. It is a key to a successful team because great teams – usually play close games. Eli Manning beating Tom Brady. Look at who had the ball at the end of the game. We're speaking with Hall of Fame defensive back Aeneas Williams on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com and on Twitter at, at Talk of Fame Net. And Aeneas, as you know, there are two wide receivers in this class, and I'll ask you the loaded question, uh, and one, of course, which you can't be impartial on, but which would you rather have, Isaac Bruce or T.O.? Wow. How about I, I, I take the fifth and I said I'd rather have them both because, <laughs> one, let's start with Isaac. I remember in 1994 Isaac being a rookie. I think that was the year Isaac came in, and I remember being in Arizona. And I'm almost sure at that time Isaac was an outstanding gunner on the punt team. I don't know how much he was playing as a rookie at the receiver position, but I just remember Isaac's tenacity blocking up against him as a gunner his rookie year, but being with him in and out of practice, knowing how difficult it was to put my hands on him in a press position, knowing how precise uh, he was in his route running, 
his ability to stretch the defense but also be one of the best route runners I've ever seen. Also given the respect to Terrell Owens, being matched up on him the entire game and seeing his maturation, him learning from the great Jerry Rice and putting it into his own style of play. And there are a lot of things that people may want to say about Terrell Owens, but when it came down to being a receiver that was the number one receiver that I had to match up against, he was that guy. And we knew if we limited his opportunities during the course of a game, it would give us the ability to eventually beat uh, the team that Terrell was on. Anais, you played some of the greats, Harrison, Reed, Moss, Irvin, Rice, Carter. Who's the toughest receiver you ever had to defend? I get that all the time, and I tell people my answer has always been, it's not the toughest. It's if each of those guys presented unique opportunities. I'd even throw in a Joe Horn. All of those guys presented different challenges, and if you – if we had a lot of time, I'd tell you the unique challenge each of them presented that I had to be prepared for. But what I also would tell you, each of those guys, I could not be a Hall of Famer because they challenged my practice habits. They challenged my mental preparation. And get this, guys, they're the guys that helped me learn to overcome fear. And that mean, meaning that time having the doubts in my mind if I could even cover those guys. But the late Buddy Ryan thought I could. And in his defenses in 1994, I was the first corner that he assigned to the best receiver in any of his defenses. And that was at the behest of his son, Rob Ryan, who was my defensive back coach at the time. Aeneas, thanks so much for the time. And quick question, are we going to see you in Houston? Absolutely. I'll be there all week. Looking forward to it. I'll see you there. Terrific. Okay. We look forward to it as well. Thanks so much, Aeneas. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, guys. That was Hall of Fame defensive back Aeneas Williams. And, guys, I think he's going to get his wish. Not exactly going on a limb here. I mean, one of two Rams should make it, right? Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce. I say Kurt Warner makes it. Like I said, not exactly going out on a limb. Anyway, coming up next, we'll tell you who we think gets in. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger, and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Tree. Tree here, just calling to say thanks for letting me crash at your place the other night. (laughs) Well, on your place. It was a rough night. I had a bit too much wind, and I think I, I might have broke your chimney, actually. So, yeah. Um, oh, any chance you'd want to drop off my tire swing? 
Yeah, I mean, if not, that's cool. Okay, later. Trees won't pay for tree damage. Luckily, one call to the GEICO Insurance Agency makes it easy to switch and save on homeowners insurance. Hi, Tom Bodet. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for a great low price. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Hey, Ron Borges. Yes, sir. You know what it means when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means 15 minutes ago you could have saved yourself a lot of money. Smart man. Go to Geico.com. You should have gone 15 minutes ago. As we've said repeatedly throughout the show, there are two Super Bowls this weekend. There's one for the Patriots and the Falcons, and the other for Hall of Fame candidates. And because this will be our last show before we go into that room, guys, let's give listeners again a glimpse of what they don't see there. For instance, as we said earlier, we arrive early in the morning, 7 a.m. local time, and after eating breakfast, we sit down in what amounts to what I'd consider a sort of U-shaped arrangement of tables with a Hall of Fame executive board at the top of that U facing us, and usually directly across from them is Rick, Ron, and me. Yeah. And we'll start the presentations with the two committee nominations. Ron will make the presentation for Kenny Easley. I'll make it for Jerry Jones and Sal Palantonio for Paul Tagliabue. The presentations itself can run anywhere from 10 seconds to 20 minutes. Then there'll be an open discussion, debate, argument, whatever unfolds. Now, some of those discussions slash debates last more than an hour. You know, after Ron makes his easily presentation, we'll vote yes or no on his candidacy. Ten no votes from the 48 committee members kill a candidacy. Then after Sal and I make our presentations, there'll be votes on Jones and Tagliabue. Then and only then will we begin the process of uh, talking about the 15 modern era candidates, the presentation, discussion, debate, then move on to the next candidate. After 15 candidates have been discussed, we'll have a pair of reduction votes from 15 to 10, then from 10 to 5. There will be a window for discussion in between the two reduction votes if anyone has anything else to say about any candidate. You know, once we determine the final five, each one will be voted upon individually, yes or no. Again, 10 no votes denies a candidate a bust. Then we'll have our class and leave the room. There's an accounting firm that handles the vote count, so when we walk out of the room, we have no idea who's in it and who's not. That's the case uh, for us most of the time, isn't it, Goose? We have no idea. <laughs> what a situation we're in when it comes to the NFL. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, one, one of the things I always find interesting with these uh, discussions in the, in the debate is, you know, when someone's presenting a candidate and, and we also know there's some sort of sticky issue uh, and they bring up something terribly interesting that, that sort of clears it up. And I remember Jeff Legwell from Denver talking about Floyd Little. Uh, a lot of people were concerned they only averaged 3.9 yards a carry, blah, 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 blah. And then it was pointed out that, uh, well, he played in the era of the wide hash marks for almost his entire career. Uh, consequently, uh, everybody in the, in the place knew which direction you were running once the ball got uh, got put out there wide. Once they changed those hash marks, uh, suddenly there were more 1,000-yard rushers. Uh, suddenly the uh, per carry average went up, and Floyd was one of those guys who, who immediately rushed for 1,000 yards. And I thought that pointing that little thing out opened the door for him because uh, right. it blew away a lot of other stuff and 
into the hall he went. So I'm looking forward to some of those kinds of informational things uh, happening. Well, we could be feeling like we're rushing for a thousand yards on Saturday because it could be an ordeal, as we mentioned earlier. We've got two candidates, um, former Commissioner Paul Tagliabue, who was on this program, and former wide receiver Terrell Owens, each of whom have been the subjects of some of the longest and most contentious debates ever. Plus, guys, I just mentioned, we've got to be out of there, Goose, by 3.30 p.m. local time. Clark, we touched on this earlier. Pack a lunch for those two. <laughs> Are we paying? Because the media doesn't pay, do we? <laughs> well, people don't understand that unlike baseball with us, there's no transparency. When we vote, it's a blind one with, with no one in that room except the people who audit the results. And as Ron said, there are guys in suits behind us. They take the, the, the pieces of paper and then they leave. And, and they're the only ones who really know how each voter selected. Um, and there's also no final score. I mean, so you really don't know. For instance, like last year, Brett Favre, we assumed he gets in. He does get in. But no one knows whether it was a unanimous vote or not. Yeah, you can look around him afterwards, and you got to wonder, who are the ten assassins? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the ten and assassins. You don't know. And you don't know. Some guys get it. Some guys don't. But you, bottom line, you 80%, 48 members, 10 no votes, kill a guy. Adios. Hey, Ronnie, um, you're a member of the baseball writers. So, so are you. You guys, I think, have transparency there this year, right? You have to reveal who you voted for, right? Yeah, that's... Uh, well, that's should there be you. transparency here? I don't really care one way or the other. I think that now that baseball's doing it, I think in fairly short order you're going to see football do the same thing as well as the other halls of fame because I think the pressure is just going to build uh, if you don't do it. Personally, I don't care one way or the other. I've got nothing to hide, number one. And you get criticized anyway, so you might, you might as well at least get criticized for something you actually did rather than something that they surmise you may have done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, now, I know there's some people adamantly against it, but I, I don't really see a problem with it. You should be able to justify the people that you support. Yeah, I agree with Ron. I, 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 frankly, I, I wouldn't mind it having public. Uh, I've already gone to record. I wouldn't mind seeing it go public. Um, but like Ron said, we get criticized whatever we do, so it doesn't really matter if it's public or not. Yeah. In fact, I like, Goose, what you said several years ago when I think Rod Woodson interviewed you on TV, and you said, okay, you didn't like this class? Who do you want to take out? You tell me who you put in. Who do you want to take out? And you didn't have an answer. Sure, well, he did. He took Warren Sapp out and put Strahan in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's get to what people want, and it's not about Michael Strahan or Warren Sapp. It's this year's class. Goose, start with you. Do the three non-modern candidates make it? I'm talking about Ken Easley, Jerry Jones, and Paul Tagliabue. I think Easley will make it because he's a standalone candidate. He's got the second best presenter. We haven't had a senior candidate <laughs> vote down since. <laughs> I used to love this guy like a brother. <laughs> we haven't we haven't had a senior candidate voted down since Dick Stanfield in 2012. Um, the contributor committee has been around for three years now, and all three of the previous nominations have been enshrined. So going in, I like the chances of Jones and Tagaloo, but voting for both will be, I think, considerably closer than that of Easley. And if Tagaloo is ever going to get in, this is his best chance. Yeah, I, I tend to think and hope that that Easley gets in. As Goose knows, we have such a deep pool of senior candidates that uh, uh, not getting them in uh, right. uh, is uh, you know, always troubling. But uh, as far as the contributors go, I, I think it's just my guess. I'm not sure they both get in. I think one gets in, and I think on different, in different levels with different guys, there's some controversies with both of them, and it's going to give them uh, an easy out. I voted for one but not the other. Okay. And, and what are your predictions for the modern era class, the five guys who make it? Gooseman? Uh, as much as it pains me to say this, I think there'll be four offensive guy and one defensive guy, Tomlinson, Warner, Jacoby, Baselli, and Taylor. 
Wow, Baselli. Okay, Ronnie. Go. And he said one defensive guy I was giddy, but now I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, I say five, LT, Jacoby, Ty Law, uh, your pal, T.O. And then I think the last one's a, a real toss-up. I'm going to go with my way, but, but I think it could be any of them. Okay, well, I'm going to take LT, Warner, Jacoby, Fanica, and Don Coriel as the wild card. That's going to do it, guys. We want to thank Paul Tagliabue, Joe Gibbs, Tony Dungy, Aeneas Williams, and John Turney for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes or your podcast app. Otherwise, look for us on this station at this time next week. We'll be here. We hope you will be, too. This is Mike Ken, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. This is Robert Kraft, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The U.S. economy has been getting stronger, and home values have been increasing. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Many of our clients have been taking cash out of their homes, a strategy that might work for you. The smart move is for you to refinance your mortgage right now with Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Many entrepreneurs love the flexibility that comes with owning their own business. Cabbage offers a line of credit of up to $100,000 with the flexibility small businesses need. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can use any amount you need when you need it. Cabbage has provided over $2.5 billion in funding to 90,000 small businesses and is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Go to cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. That's cabbage with a K. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Tree. Tree here. Just calling to say thanks for letting me crash at your place the other night. <laughs> well, on your place. It was a rough night. I had a bit too much wind, and I think I, I might have broke your chimney, actually. So, yeah. Um, oh, any chance you'd want to drop off my tire swing? Yeah. I mean, if not, that's cool. Okay, later. Trees won't pay for tree damage. Luckily, one call to the GEICO Insurance Agency makes it easy to switch and save on homeowners insurance. Hi, Tom Bodet, trying out one of those standing desks. Now I have the pleasure of working without the nuisance of being comfortable. Not sure a standing desk is for me. I'm really more of a resting couch kind of guy. But there is one thing I can stand behind, and that's Motel 6 offering clean, comfortable rooms still for a great low price. Now, where did I put my sitting chair? I'm Tom Bodet, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com.